Welcome back to Night Cheese. I'm Steven. And I'm Tim. And uh, I want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. Um, joined here by the illustrious guest of Before They Were Live, Tim Rhodes. Um, want to just give another give another shout out to our friends before they were live, Josh and Michael. Um, uh, Tim's episode with them uh, regarding Aladdin dropped today. T- today, the day that Tim and I are recording uh, mm-hmm. this evening, so uh, it will have been out for a while uh, before then. So um, yeah, it, that was that was a fun, entertaining episode. It really took me back uh, to my own viewings as a child and stuff. Very illuminating stuff. I'm glad to hear it. Was, I still have not listened yet. I I get a little. Oh. I get a little uh, insecure when I hear my voice, so <laughs> I still I, I probably will just to see how you know how it sounded, um, but uh, yeah, there's always that like initial first step of actually playing it. It takes me. I have to work up a little bit of momentum to press play on it. <laughs> no, I'm the complete opposite. I'm such a I'm such a critic of myself. I I go to listen to myself immediately. I think uh, um, I tell myself it's for self evaluation and stuff, and I do try to notice that kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. I don't know. And so, <laughs> um, I'm pr- pr- pretty hard on myself, and that's just a I'm in a singularly abusive relationship with myself. I guess it's it's weird. Um, oh man, yeah. So uh, there's no easy way around this, Tim. Uh, we're recording this on the evening of June 4th, 2020, um, as some have affectionately called it. We are now on the sixth level of Jumanji, mm-hmm. um, with all the just horrors, the all all of the unanticipated horrors that our country or our world, I mean, has faced. Um, we're currently in the thick of um, the aftermath of several more murders of unarmed black men by police or just rogue vigilante white people um, and protests, then riots, then arguments. And, well, here we are. Um, how are you, man? Not great. Okay. <laughs> it's a, it's a roller coaster for sure. This, this past week and a half, almost two weeks, it's been, it's been interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't say this with any sense or sentiment of humor. I know sometimes my dryness comes off a little bit like that. Uh, but check on your black friends if you haven't, mm-hmm. um, don't. Uh, you know, every the, no no race is a monolith. Uh, everybody experiences and lives through these things differently. But um, mm-hmm. now is a time better than ever to show your friends that you love them, to check in on them, to make sure they're okay, um, to offer to help them. That's so hard right now, especially. Of course, I mean, Tim, you're you're in more of an open state than I am right now, so you probably have more options to you. But in North Carolina, it's still really hard. We're under shelter and um and have been placed under curfew in our capital city since the beginning of this week as well. Um, so there are some difficulties there. Um, but, um, we wanted to just, you know, kind of a, a dress is a weird word. Um, because neither Tim nor myself fancy ourselves, um, people of valuable opinion on this topic or experts in any way. Um, but it is a, um, it's a topic that shouldn't be ignored, yeah. first of all. Yeah. And um, I just want to prep everybody. Usually, uh, if you've listened in any way 
consistently to our show, um, I usually give the episode title right off the bat. And so I didn't do that on purpose tonight because I wanted to explain what Tim and I are trying to do. So um, as all this started coming down, Tim and I usually uh, have a pretty open communication about what movies we want to recommend, stuff we've been seeing, you know, stuff offline and everything. And um, as all this started to increase, uh, we began talking about films that sort of reflect the experience of what we're all living in right now, particularly our black brothers and sisters. And um, our intent um, was to invite um, some voices of color, uh, so to speak, uh, to join us uh, for, for episodes to kind of be a window into films that reflect that experience. Um, we did have some plans for that, and those plans may come to fruition at a later date. I don't know. But um, those plans fell through for this evening. Um, so we are moving forward with the film that we were going to be talking about. But uh, we were hoping, depending on how this episode goes, quite to be quite honest, <laughs> um, that this could be the first of a few episodes for a little while, um, which we are tentatively calling calling conversations of color, which tonight's film will be called <laughs> tonight's film that we're discussing, excuse me, is, um, 20, 2018, I think 2018's if Beale, yeah. 2018's if Beale street could talk. Um, we'll get back to that in a second. So, um, I want to make perfectly clear, um, if you can't already tell by, well, okay, maybe, maybe that's, I don't know how that's going to, how this is going to sound. I was just going to say, you can tell that Tim and I are white. That is to say that the injustices that are happening in the world are not Tim and mine's primary lived experience. Mm -hmm. And we're aware of that. Yeah. Um, that being said, uh, Tim and I both um, have a, a, a deep um, compulsion to love our neighbor, um, to uh, care for the um, marginalized um, to, to those who have been discriminated against. And, um, so in that regard, um, and in our own growth as people, mm -hmm. um, we have done, um, and are continuing to do work to educate ourselves on our own prejudices, um, yeah. trying to undo, uh, you know, uh, things that we may have picked up uh, on the way up, so to speak, um, trying to learn how to see, in a wider scope um, of the world around us. Mm -hmm. And what we do every week is take a movie that we both like or that we both saw and want to talk about and sort of pick that apart, see how that film helps us look at the world. Um, and so we're putting our hands together, so to speak, on, on those two experiences of, of educating ourselves um, to be better friends um, and better allies to our black brothers and sisters and also continuing the very purpose and spirit of this podcast, which yeah. is two friends talking about movies. Yeah. So, uh, in that we're going to consider, uh, the next few episodes talking about films that really deal with the subject matter of what we're living in right now in hopes that any of our listeners, um, if we, I mean, now this part is going to sound silly. If we have black listeners, I don't even know. Um, it, they would feel supported. Uh, but white listeners, I know we have. If you are looking for resources, particularly in film, because that's what we talk about, that can kind of help paint the picture for you of what the experience is um, here and and to help you grow in empathy, to help you um, 
broaden your perspective. Um, that's why we're here. So, um, I hope I laid enough groundwork for us to just relax and talk about this. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead. Oh no, I will also add just, um, Stephen and I, ever since, um, the news of, um, uh, Ahmad Arbery's, uh, murder back, I want to say, I mean, his murder, it was February, but I mean, didn't really February, come to light. Came to light in late March or April. I think. Yeah. Um, so, so even at that point we were like, okay, we probably need to address this, but I think we were both, I wanted to be really, really well prepared and I'm always, I'm always afraid to speak off the cuff, but, um, I feel like because of that desire for preparation, we kept kind of pushing things, but with, with his death, yeah. with Breonna Taylor and with finally with George Floyd, I mean, with, um, George Floyd, I think there finally came a point where we just said, we can't, I'm, I'm yeah, okay to be a little, off anymore. exactly this, this, I mean, I know we're just a, a podcast talking about film. I were just two white guys, but the, I, I just, I feel like I think it would just be a failure on our part not to at least speak about it and share, um, things we've learned along the way through, through film. Yeah. I think a self, I think a self-aware <laughs> at worst failed attempt is, is better than no attempt at all. Mm-hmm. Um, key on being self-aware there. We, we know mm-hmm. that we're not the, the key experts on, uh, this genre. So anyway. So moving along, uh, thank you, everybody, if I can hit a soft reset on the episode now, for joining us for tonight's episode, Conversations in Color, If Beale Street Could Talk. So um, so Tim, uh, Beale Street Could Talk was based off of a James Baldwin novel, is that correct? Yes, yes, that's correct. I'm, I am still learning about James Baldwin, um, and it feels um, to... to um, <laughs> to liken it to another black icon in hearing him finding speeches of his or like talk show appearances on, mm-hmm. of his on YouTube. He has another sort of um, kind of like, I wouldn't call it a fan made film, but I am not your Negro, which is on mm-hmm. Amazon prime um, was put together from some of his remaining works before he died. And um, seeing all this stuff, I feel from a social uh, education perspective the same way I felt when I really started to listen to Prince, like after he died, you know, mm. I'm like, yeah. where, where was I? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. How did I miss this when it was happening? Of course, part of that is because a lot of that happened before I was alive, but you know, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so I started reading Baldwin probably a few years ago, maybe a little bit more, but it was like that. It was like one, one of the best, um, American, not, I mean, African American, but American authors that I had, I'd hardly heard of. Um, it was one of those kind of aha astounding moments of where has he been all my life, but it's just one of those glaring realizations of how, I mean, not to already just jump in to, <laughs> to uh, to the way, um, racism works, but yeah, he, he was missing from a, a large majority of, and I, and I, and I love, re- I mean, reading is a really, um, a, a love of mine and I had hardly heard of Baldwin until maybe five, six years ago. Yeah. And it's just, um, man, it, uh, I think about that. You talking about that made me think about like Watchmen and the Tulsa mm-hmm. massacre and stuff like that, like yeah. the, su- the suppression of, of black history mm-hmm. and, and it's, and it's figures and stuff is, uh, I don't know. It's like, I constantly feel like I'm just like, what? And then like, as soon as that word is coming out of my mouth, I can just picture a whole population of, you know, black uh, brothers and sisters being like, "Uh uh-huh. 
Yeah. It's been happening forever, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. And it's just more of the, the unraveling in my mind, you know, the more of the unlearning mm-hmm. to, and the, and the relearning. Yeah. Um, so Beale Street could talk it, it follows a romance, um, and I, I want to talk a, a lot about, I'm a, I don't know, I'm going to talk a lot, but you know, <laughs> there, there's a lot to say, I feel like about this romance between, um, mm. Fonny and, um, and, uh, Tish, uh, Fonny played by, uh, Stephen James, who, mm-hmm. by the way, um, if you've never seen St- Stephen James, first of all, I don't, I don't know. It, at least in the mainstream, does not get the credit he, de- he deserves. I first saw him play uh, Jesse Owens uh, in the movie Race. Um, oh, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. The, the Olympic runner um, mm-hmm. who ran in, against Nazi Germany for the United States, even in the midst of racism, which is another great um, you know, movie about black excellence, honestly. It's great, and for what it's worth, Jason Sudeikis played a really good straight role in that movie, too. Oh. Anyway. Um, but that's not what we're talking about tonight. So, um, him and, uh, and so, so it's about Fonny and Tish, this, uh, this, these, this romantic couple and, um, their life together. It's book ended by discovering that Fonny is incarcerated, but the meat of that sandwich is, is about the blossoming and love and relate and, and life of their love. And, um, in this sort of, the, almost the, this sort of flower that grows out of concrete in a way, like yeah. everything around them is cold, dispassionate, uh, uh, you know, um, tense, hopeless. But when they're together, like it's mm. not, it is one of the most, um, I, I have a hard time describing it, but it's just so believable. Um, I would say Hermes is so real. It's so believable. And more on that in a second, because I want to say when the film starts, it starts with a quote from Baldwin himself. I'm assuming from the novel um, just on a black screen and says, every black person born in America was born on Beale street, born in the back neighborhood of some American city, whether in Jackson, Mississippi or in Harlem, New York, Beale street is our legacy. This novel deals with the impossibility and the possibility, the absolute necessity to give expression to this legacy. Um, and this is my favorite part of the quote at the end. It says, Beale Street is a loud street. It is left to the reader to discern a meaning in the beating of the drums. Um, mm. I'm not going to pretend that I'm more academic than I am. Um, but that last mm-hmm. sentence just really buries in my mind a little bit it just is left to the reader to discern a meeting of the beating of the drums and and that um when I, I watched this film again last night in preparation for this i'd seen it once before and um um the resounding refrain i'm getting from our current times right now in both delivering this to other friends of mine who are perhaps less uh educated on our current climate than I am and what I am hearing from those I am appealing, I am seeking from is the value of listening. Mm. Um, stop talking, just listen. And it is left to the, to the reader to discern a meeting in the beating of the drums. Like it's almost like this film just demands that you just get engrossed in it. Like you just sit Get in the movie, sit down in it, and be a part of it, and pay attention to what's going on. And um, 
I'm going to deviate for just a second, Tim, and this is going to sound really silly, but I think it's going to come back around. And if it doesn't, <laughs> if this crashes and it provides a little levity to the tense tension of this episode, then maybe this will be for a good cause. Do you remember the Matthew McConaughey, Samuel L. Jackson film, A Time to Kill? Yes, yes. Yeah. So an, another great film. Now, not because of an insensitivity to the plot, Mm-hmm. Um, or the very real horrors. But when I was in college, an unnamed friend of mine, um, for his own protection, um, often had a bit of a laugh at the climax of that film, not because of the justice aspect, but because of Matthew McConaughey's performance. He was, he was not fully convinced, I think, by McConaughey's acting. And so <laughs> when at the end of the film, he is delivering this, monologue uh in detail about how the uh the little black girl was was murdered um in that was she murdered or just beat or just assaulted murder yeah okay so it's been a really long time since i've seen it but um it was horrific either way mm-hmm. um and he's doing that in in great detail and the jury and he's having the jury close their eyes and imagine what's happening and they're just you know tearing up and everything and then at the end he goes now just imagine that little girl was white and like that was like the gotcha moment mm-hmm. of the movie which listen it is that simple for for some people like people are just not considering how much emotion and devotion and affection they have for one race of people over another and having to equalize that is necessary in order to be able to see all people of value. It's, it's kind of shameful that that has to happen, but if that's what it takes to get people convinced, okay. Right. So that scene happens, right. And I thought of that today because I was thinking about Fani and Tish's romance and I was like, you know, the power in this movie to me is um when i'm done with this you're like steven why'd you even bring up a time to kill (laughs) um (laughs) um is that when the injustice occurs the film does such a good job of drawing you in to be invested in their relationship that you you hurt and you get infuriated Mm -hmm. for them and so the one thing i could think of i was talking to allison today and i said you know this is going to sound really stupid, but you know how much everybody loves Jim and Pam on the office. Like this would be like watching their relationship blossom over all those seasons. And all of a sudden Jim just gets arrested for rape, even Mm -hmm. though, you know, with all of his character development, he never would have done that. He's placed it. He's, he is completely disregarded all of the rock logic, solid, uh, the rock solid logic alibis he would have are completely disregarded. And he's mm-hmm. just incarcerated and, and she's left to deal alone with the children. Like, and, <clears throat> and so I'm sitting here and thinking like my Matthew McConaughey mind, I'm like, just imagine that was Jim and Pam. Uh, so yeah, that's where the time to kill games from. But, um, I just say that to any of you who maybe haven't seen the movie, maybe, you know, are a little too white and watch the office a little too much, uh, at night before you go to bed. Um, but that is the, I think that is the level of, um, um, gosh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Maybe, I don't know, chemistry? I don't know if that's the right word you're yeah, looking well for. They, well, that's true. 
I mean, it's definitely true. It wasn't the word I was looking for, but that's the reason they have such great chemistry mm-hmm. together. And the nature of their relationship is just so almost innocent in a way, you know? Yeah. They're both such innocent characters. And, mm-hmm. um, and like them being together just helps them rise above everything else around yeah. them, you know? Yeah. It's just all that more heartbreaking when it comes crashing down. Yeah. Another thing I, and this is going to, this is something I would say about the whole movie, but the, um, it is one of the most beautiful films I've seen in a while. Yes. Um, and uh, the cinematography is just, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's perfect. But some, there are some moments when, so this, so this film is, is a slow moving film and it really sits in these scenes and it really, you really sit with these characters and sometimes the, you know, wh- whichever character they will be kind of not looking in the camera and looking at their significant other, but looking at you and it's almost like you're falling in love with them as well. I mean, you're, you're seeing what the other person sees and it's just a, just beautiful, beautiful, rich moments um, that I, mm-hmm. that I thought kind of just, just made you, made you love them all the more. Yeah. The, um, <clears throat> I think the the settings and the uh, yeah, like the set design, mm. the score, Whew, everything man, the score. feels like this just this just slice of history. Yeah, um, it feels. I, I say it feels so authentic, not having known what it's like to live in that time or that place. Mm-hmm. But um, it feels very trans trans formative like it like it really just transports you into that time and place and um it's so easy to get lost in there and it it really is like it it's it feels silly to say this because like in some respect you're expected to be this way in every movie but it really feels like you're a fly on the wall in somebody's life Mm -hmm. And, and all these scenes like you're just getting to witness something unfold and when i say that out loud it sounds like yes Stephen, every story is like that but like it never really feels like you're actually there. Like I always know that I'm watching a movie, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And like, and in this time I don't feel like I'm watching a movie and it's not like I'm also getting sucked into a story. It feels like I'm just living life with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, that is a hard thing to pull off. I mm-hmm. didn't even know that was a thing you could pull off, you yeah. know? Um, and so the way the movie gets you to and then that is so necessary in retrospect because you can't really feel the injustice unless you've lived the life with those characters you know mm-hmm. not at the deepest level um and so we haven't even talked about regina king man <laughs> who um so i made a facebook status last night when i was watching this and i think this is not the first time i've said this either um i keep I keep forgetting that I love Regina King. I think like, <laughs> um, it's so funny how I keep con- it's, it's like, I'm, it's like I'm Guy Pierce and memento. Like I, yeah. I, I keep forgetting how underrated I think yeah. she is, but I also keep forgetting that she's not really underrated cause she's an Oscar winner. So it's just kind of like, I don't know. Mm. Like, I feel like you, it's like the world does not talk about her enough. And I say that like every three months or something. Um, <laughs> but she's great. She plays, oh, yeah. um, Tish's mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tish, by the way, played by Kiki Lane. And this is her first major film. Like that was, um, fascinating 
Uh, we just I just learned that before the show, um, and she is she is great. Um, yeah. She carries that uh, she carries the film so well. Um, Regina King is is amazing. She um, has a story arc where she has to travel to is it Puerto Rico? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Puerto Rico. This? to sort of track down a lead. So, so let me just jump in real quick. Um, so Fani is falsely accused of rape and is arrested by a white cop. And this white cop has a personal vendetta against Fani because it's shown at some point in the movie that, um, a man, um, attempts to sexually assault Tish in a grocery store and he goes to defend her. Of course, uh, the cop arrives on the scene as, Fani is deservedly beating the brakes off this guy and of course goes to goes to Fani to try to arrest him white cop black guy and and the store owner comes out and defends both of them and it's just like no they were not doing anything wrong and so there's this real intense standoff between Fani and the cop and the cop just has this smug look on his face like well I'll get you when I'm mm-hmm. you know when I'm ready to get you kind of thing um and it's that cop who ends up arresting him on the rape charge. Um, however, you know, in, in through the power of narration and a few like montages and stuff of maps and everything, like Tish breaks down to the viewer how bogus the charge is. Um, and not just because you have been invested with Fani and Tish, but just the logistics of the crime itself. Like it's impossible for Fani to have been there. Um, he even had an alibi, but you know, it, it breaks down into the trustworthiness of alibis. If your alibi had a criminal record mm-hmm. in the past, um, versus the word of a cop. Um, and, and just, and this, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Just to, just to jump in this, I think this movie, I mean, obviously we're, we're, we're talking about this after, um, uh, you know, or not even after, I'm sorry, during, um, widespread large protests um against police brutality and um i would argue police brutality and the systems that that kind of keep protect it that kind of keep it safe to do so um and this film um you know obviously you know funny isn't whether we talked about he isn't beaten up by um this police officer there isn't physical police brutality but there's still this definitive i mean definite police brutality in the sense that you um in this one, this was set in the seventies. I, I assume, I believe, right? Seventies. Yeah, it certainly looks like the seventies. Yeah, I'll say that. Could could be a contemporary story, but this idea of brutality, even um, outside physicality, just the ability to he, dehumanize, to to keep you in fear, to basically hold your life. He uses the system to it, brutalize him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and how, the system. You know, um, it's. And so I thought, as I was watching, I thought that was an interesting aspect of it, of the, the film as well, to show that, that he's ne- never, you know, physically injured, but it's still, his life is effectively, you know, changed. Yeah. And, you know, things, um, after Rafani is arrested, you know, um, Tish and her family are trying, well, <clears throat> Tish and Fani's family, uh, wait, no, gosh, I keep getting it confused. Tish and her own family. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Fani's family is terrible. Um, which if there's ever a scene of levity in that film, it's a weird, it's a weird levity, Yeah. but, but the film pulls it off somehow. I don't know how, Yeah. Yeah. but anyway, 
that's all I'm going to say about that mm-hmm. scene. Um, so Tish and her family go to prove Fonny's innocence. And mm-hmm. I think the really heartbreaking thing about this film, Tim, is you are so pulled in and buy into mm-hmm. their love. Yeah. I don't know about you, but like if it wasn't, if I didn't already know what kind of movie I was watching, mm-hmm. I was really believing they were going to succeed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, that justice was truly going to be served. Um, mm-hmm. So part, um, we, we got on this track right now talking about Regina King. So um, the, the victim, they find out fleet has fled to Puerto Rico. She was a Hispanic lady and um, she, um, they, they go to see her because they want her to admit that she was coerced into identifying Fani as the, uh, as the perpetrator. Um, and when Regina King discovers her, first of all, this is, um, this is something that I really wish I, I, I um, we could have had a, a third, a third person here to ask. <laughs> um, but it's something that still got my attention because of how much time, um, oh, our, the director, oh gosh, who, who directed it? I'm sorry. Oh, uh, I had Barry you know, Jenkins. Barry Jenkins. Mm-hmm. who directed Moonlight, yeah, uh, yeah. uh, Academy Award winning film Moonlight. And also, um, the TV series of Dear White People. Hmm. Um, so uh, he makes a makes a real um, intentional decision here um, when Regina King is getting ready to go out uh, on the town, as it were, to try to find this lady. She is like going back and forth on whether or not to wear a wig, um, and the wig is a decidedly different color. I mean, it's not like crazy stark difference, but it's like, you know, it's a certain style and certain color in it. And knowing that she's in Puerto Rico, I was, and I asked Alice, I'm like, am I imagining things or do you think this is what's happening? And I'm not sure if the film was trying to present an idea that she was wrestling with the idea to go out naturally as a black woman or to modify her, um, her, uh, Jeez, man, that's my my words are leaving me. No, no, modify right. her appearance. Yeah, modify her appearance to make her maybe blend in a little bit more with the Puerto Rican population. So maybe she would be less judged out in mm. public. Um, I might be completely making that up, but like she takes the wig off and then puts it back on. Like it mm. seems like an odd scene to really draw out and have her wrestle with. So I, I don't know. I completely could be making that up, but I, but I'm I'm curious. Mm-hmm. If they are trying to also present that sort of thing, because she has a, she has an agenda at play, like her son-in-law's life is at stake. And not only that, but at this point, you, you know, that, um, Tish has discovered she's pregnant. And so she, Regina King is, is fighting for the life of her daughter, her son-in-law and her grandchild to have a good normal life. And so like she weighs every decision you know, in, in her trying to be successful in her mission to help exonerate him. And so the way that scene just played out, I'm like, it can't be just this simple as her trying to decide on an accessory. You know what I mean? Um, so I don't know, but then again, I'm out of my element there. So I'm not exactly sure what that was about, but that say, uh, just, uh, again, to, um, praise Regina King's performance. She, she ends up finding the, uh, the victim. She confronts her and is ultimately unsuccessful, but 
I think another thing this film does well is that at that point you are suspicious um, as to whether or not the charge was completely made up or if she just got the wrong person. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know that she was, you do discover two things in one scene. One that she was force forcibly, uh, coerced to ID Fani as the perpetrator. Mm-hmm. Um, but two that she was actually raped. And at that point, once she realized, once Regina King realized that Fani was, you know, falsely accused, she loses all sympathy for the lady, but that ends up triggering the victim. And, and then like, you just have this mutual emotional breakdown between both characters, like, um, the, the victim of the crime having this sort of PTSD moment, uh, breaking down and then having to get carried away. And then Regina realizing that there's nothing she can do. And it's just, oh man, maybe, maybe the most heartbreaking scene in the mm-hmm. movie, which is, I mean, you've got a few to choose from. Yeah. So, yeah. um, but that was so hard, so hard. And, um, uh, you know, I think the, the environment and the atmosphere of this film is so rich and deep mm. and, and, um, uh, immersive that, um, talking about the plot points really doesn't take anything away from it. You know, some movies rely on you not knowing that to really enjoy it. But, um, but I don't think this is one of those. So like we, the, the real bittersweet pill at the end of the film is, um, discovering that Fani takes a plea deal, um, which again, you know, would, would reduce his time. And, and so this sort of bittersweet thing, if you have the idea that he will eventually get released, to be with his wife and his son. But at the same time, he's forced to admit guilt on something he didn't do, mm-hmm. which, um, which I will say up until recently was something I wasn't aware of how prevalent a problem that is as well. Mm-hmm. in the yeah. criminal justice system is the pressure, um, for, um, particularly black men to, to be forced to take plea deals. Um, yeah. um, to, to, uh, the expedite their freedom, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's, um, uh, it's, it's sickening. Yeah. <laughs> um, to put it mildly. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So it is, um, I wouldn't say it's a weird movie, but it is just, um, it's really, I mean, I, I mean, it's, it's really unlike anything I've ever seen. Yeah. You know, someone I, I read, I can't reading somewhere as I was watching it. Someone said it was a very poetic and I felt like it was almost like you were watching poetry. I mean, it, it was really? just a, a strange, it sounds strange, but it really, after seeing it, I was like, that really makes a lot of sense to me. Just the, the fluidity, just the, the, the scenes, they, even though they're telling a story, it's also a snapshot to these like really special conversations, these really special moments. Oh, just really, really beautiful in like individual moments that kind of stand even on their own, but they yeah. all come together. They all form this, this really complete story. Again, just to go back to the chemistry, like it's mm-hmm. just, it's just so good. It's so, it's so warm and vulnerable and I don't want to call it naive really, but, but just innocent in a way. Um, and I will say, I don't even I call this a happy ending or anything like that, but something 
after I'd say maybe after the second viewing, I picked up one is that the, um, after, um, the, after sort of the middle part of the movie kind of catches up to where the movie begins, which is Tish, um, visiting Bonnie, uh, funny in jail. Um, you start to see him on the other side of that glass begin to lose a little bit of who he is. Mm, yeah. Um, but I don't know, Tim, and you tell me if, if, if you saw this differently, but if, if there's any kind of joy or victory to be pulled out of this story is that it seems like he finds a resolve to still preserve who he is despite all of this horror and injustice being thrown at him. And you don't ever actually see anything funny experiences in jail. It's all, it's all implied, Yeah. but you know that terrible things are happening in there. Um, every mm-hmm. time you see him and you see it on his face, you see it in the way he responds to Tish in their conversations sometimes. And you can see though, by the end that he is, it's as, it's as if he's resolved to not completely lose who he is for the yeah. sake of, for the sake of her, for the sake of their child, um, mm-hmm. which is just a, is some, is some true strength right there. Um, mm-hmm. and that is, if anything, this is, <laughs> I promised him every episode won't, will not involve an analogy to this, no, that's but, okay. <laughs> it, but it's like a gritty princess bride kind of thing. Like, you know, death, <laughs> death can't stop true love. It can only delay it for a little while, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's like, he's like my love. It's as if he's saying, my love for you is stronger than this. And I won't be broken by this. Mm-hmm. You know, my love for yeah. you won't be broken by this. And they might break everything else, but they're not going to break this. Yeah. And, um, it is, uh, that's, that's a strong sentiment. And, a, and an admirable one. Um, but that does not negate uh, just the the real existence of the petty and callous uh, horrific injustice that's done yeah to to people who are just trying to live life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Um, and I think that is such the um, that is such mm-hmm. one of the points you is that I feel weird even having to say it like this, but Mm -hmm. they have normalized their relationship so much. Like it's so the, the relatability of their relationship, they, they do such a good job, um, making this relationship accessible Mm -hmm. to any, any viewer. Um, like if you can't like if you can't watch this movie and buy into their relationship, I'm, I don't know what to tell you. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, it's just such a well, well written, well executed uh, relationship, and so you buy into that so much. And I've said this a, a few times already in the episode, so sorry for being so repetitive, but um, be, buying into that the 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 value of that relationship. Um, makes it all the more visceral when, when it is violated, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's the point. Like there are tons of families all across our country that are being violated by these kinds of injustices. You know, the Floyd family, the Arbery family, the, um, what's Brianna's last name? 
Again, oh, I can't. Uh, Taylor. Taylor, the Taylor family. Sorry, Brianna's family is what I was going to say. I'm just, I'm, I'm, the sad thing is there's so many names. It's just hard to keep yeah. track. Yeah. I mean, uh, this is a sad truth, yeah. but, um, and, you know, people just trying to, trying to do things right. And, um, I am, you know, as we sit here tonight and, are engaging with the world around us each day with, with this being the backdrop. Um, there is a small encouragement in that I hate it sickens me to even have to refer to it as this time around. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, I am seeing many more voices of realization and support, uh, that I have not seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, there are still plenty of deniers and rationalizers, and justifiers out there as well, uh, which is um, just disheartening. Um, it, it is this. This is not. Th- this is a reality. It, it exists objectively. Yeah. And um, I guess if anything, for me, Tim, um, and then I'll I'll shut up for a minute because one, I need a drink and then. <laughs> and monopolizing a lot of this conversation as well. Oh, that's okay. Two things I can pull out of this film is that the injustice is petty, arbitrary, and horrific, but also you um, you can um, you can still retain some power over possessing your own joy mm-hmm. despite you know, you, um, they can try to break you, but you, you only have to, you only have to be so broken. Um, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, I mean, I see that in Fani in that, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm not going to let them take what makes me so precious to my family away from them. Like, you know, mm-hmm. they can take me away from my family, but you're not going to take what makes my value in this family, what it is. Um, I like to believe that in that way. Anyways, um, the movie kind of leaves it that way. Uh, you don't ever see him get out of jail, but you, you know, it's just kind of leading you to the conclusion of that's how it's going to happen. You don't see life with them together. You know, you see them at a visitor's table together, you know? Um, and forgive me. Um, there was one question and I admit, I watched it really late last night when I was, (laughs) um, prepping. And so I was a little, I was getting a little exhausted. Um, my second time around is usually just for odds and ends to see if there's mm-hmm. anything I didn't catch the first time. But um, when the when, when Tish and um, her their son come to visit, he's drawing a picture um, on on the table, and mm-hmm. Fani says something to him about the picture. But I don't know if they ever show us what the picture is, or do they? I don't remember. I don't think, I don't know if they do. I don't remember it, either, but I could have, I don't, yeah, that's it, a good it's question. One those, it's one of those things. Like I looked away for a second and I'm like, did I look away at the second that they actually showed what the picture was? And I was too lazy to go back and see if I actually, they actually mm-hmm. showed, but the way the conversation was centered at that time, at the end, it seemed like there was something relevant to whatever he was drawing that was relevant to like them as a family union unit mm-hmm. that seemed 
to resonate with Vani a little bit. And mm. like it, I don't know if it either concerned him or it gave him some hope. Uh, it's hard for me to figure out how he was reacting in that situation. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of like, but at the same time, I was like, are they just not going to show us what that was? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, which yeah. could be in line with the film itself. It doesn't, it does not give you all of your, all of your, you know, plots tied up in a bow and stuff. It's just, it kind of trails off, you know, in a way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, uh, my, uh, and this is, you know, this is granted not, not doing a ton of just, just thinking back, just thinking on it. I'm, I'm one thing that stood out, um, was the, um, and so, so we talked about this earlier though, even the use of cinematography, you kind of get to, you fall in love with these characters. You see their love for each other. Very, I mean, it's very beautiful, beautiful love that they have for each other and how, um, I don't know, a lot of love romance, maybe things happen maybe one of the characters, the plot is driven by things that they do, maybe mistakes that they make or things that they do that kind of put conflict into this love story. Um, But for them, it's almost like just the very precarious and tense position of just living in a world, in a very white world. Um, Yeah. And how it's, that is where the conflict is. You know, they, you see these just beautiful moments of joy, um, you know, them going to find their first place to live, you know, to eventually move in together. These, these are really, really just happy moments. One of my favorite scenes is where, um, Oh, uh, who's James Franco's Dave Franco. Is that, I think so. He, he is a character who basically shows them almost like a, it's almost, it's, I guess a loft, but it's not even, I mean, it's, it's like still, a warehouse. Yeah, you know? basically, it's warehouse that's going to turn into some sort of loft, but it's not even. It, it's very, not in great shape that it's going to kind of be worked on. But um, just um, Fonny kind of, just his excitement, you know, um, showing how they can make make a life together there. Um, it's just there's all these really really pretty moments, but you know because you know the second you know when we talk about him him ending up in prison, this happens in the second scene. I mean, the second scene establishes this. It's it's very early on. There's not like a, a surprise, um, but you see the the weight of the world that's just out out of their hands, out of their control, um, uh, pushing on them, and it 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 is it is a force that that they have to always be aware of. Just a very precarious situation where you never know um, when something's going to like a false allegation. Um, can just completely, I mean, completely derail is not even the right word, completely just uh, wreck, wreck a life. Yeah. It's, um, uh, it's a harrowing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's brutal, man. But, um, I, but, okay. but on, on that hand, also one thing that I thought was really, really beautiful about this one is it, 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 it um, it seemed to also, you know, to go back to, to the this relationship to the love. It seemed to also focus, and you talked about that too with the the resolve by the end of the film. It seemed to stay focused on the love between the characters, and their their yeah, like resolve is a perfect word. Their resolve to to um to not to not let that um uh destroy what they have. I don't know if that's. I'm not yeah. saying that well, but um, I thought that was really, really powerful. Yeah. And I mean, you know, listen, 
the the world is broken and mm-hmm. this is a you know a in a just world families like this wouldn't get torn apart um so it feels it feels like a little bit of a cheap sentiment to praise their resolve to not be broken yeah. to yeah, not yeah. allow their mm-hmm. relationship to be broken exactly but in the same in the same breath there is that is some true strength because mm-hmm. because and the, I don't mean this to sound cold and dispassionate to the true injustice that our black brothers and sisters face on a daily basis but it is an unjust world um in 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 many ways not just the injustice that we're talking about tonight and so um life will come at you and the things that you hold dear senselessly um in in a variety of ways um so i i think there is value in recognizing um to say you have control is a dicey proposition i don't want to get into the whole matrix of it all with you know <laughs> destiny and stuff and obviously as a as a believing man i i i am a, a little uh hesitant to talk too much about us being the captains of our souls so to speak um but there is to an extent there is a amount of free will and personal role personal involvement or responsibility that you can preserve um some things that are of the most value to you Mm -hmm. um despite what life may throw at you um how you do that depends on i guess how you've been wrecked and what it is that you're trying to preserve but Mm -hmm. um in regards to this this is a picture here of cold and unfair injustice um and yet two people who will not allow that to rip apart what they have put together mm-hmm. um which more than the house more than you know his dreams of being like a an artisan and a woodworker yeah yeah stuff. i forgot to even mention that yeah more more than that is each other yeah. and and they hold to that and uh, they don't lose it and uh that that is beautiful um and i just really hope that my admiration of that doesn't come across as a sort of cheapening of the real injustice yes. that's happening at the same time yeah i'm glad you um, mentioned that yeah that's that's i completely agree so um tim to be honest i feel like i've kind of drained this one <laughs> uh, a little bit. Um, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Listen, guys, if Beale Street Talk is a beautiful film. Uh, we both of us can't recommend it enough. Uh, I, I will say this. Um, uh, you know, I'm a, we're both men who are married and are fathers and stuff. And it's, it's rated R. There are some thematic elements in it. Um, I don't really know the full scale demographics of our listenerhood at this point in, uh, in our age as a, as a podcast. Um, so there are, there, there are some, um, some things in it. I mean, like, I think there's, there's like a sex scene in it and stuff like that. Normally I, I I don't know, just, I know some of the people that value my input on movies and that kind of thing might want to, you know, might be a heads up they would appreciate. So, (laughs) um, so I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, so that, that is part of it. Um, I will say, I don't think there is a thematic element in the movie that, um, 
that jars you out of the narrative as it's happening, yeah. if that yeah. makes sense. Um, so, um, it's a movie, it's a film worth seeing. Um, if you are a white person listening to our podcast and you're thinking like, how can I best educate myself in the black experience and Ida and I'm like Steven and I don't have time to read books. Um, <laughs> this, um, film is a film is a great way to experience that. And this is one that can help. Um, mm -hmm. because, um, I don't know what kind of elementary white level I'm speaking to right now, but just if I'm going to pretend to go to the lowest common denominator, it shows you that the experience of other cultures is very, is, is very similar to what you may experience yourself before it gets disrupted by an unjust system. Um, you know, people, you know, uh, people arguing with their in-laws, <laughs> people, um, celebrating new life and their family, you know, a young couple trying to find their footing, mm -hmm. um, people being caught and overwhelmed with the world around them. But when they're with each other, everything's okay. You know, th these are, these are things that transcend, uh, culture, you know, um, that are existent everywhere. It's a normalized experience. And, mm -hmm. uh, and for some of you, that's a necessary realization to come to. Um, and I say some of you because one, once upon a time, that was me. Um, and yeah. And um, I cannot stress this enough. The systemic injustice is real. It's real and it happens more than you think it does. Um, I will. I, I I had Twitter open earlier. Oh, wait, no, I hope I didn't lose it. Okay. Um, this is kind of off topic, but in the current climate, of, it's, it's on the topic of what we're all living with right now. Mm -hmm. um, there is a, a book that I have, because like I just said, like two minutes ago, I'm terrible at reading, but uh, there's a book that I want to <laughs> read that is currently in our house. It was a graduation gift that I got from my wife uh, called Be the Bridge by Latasha Morrison. Mm -hmm. And uh, started following her on Twitter. And she, like, I've heard this voice from other people in the past couple of weeks, but it's one that needs to be echoed again. Um, people will try to find one voice that agrees with them rather than listening to thousands of collective voices stating the same thing. Um, the tweet continues, but the thing that I said is the thing I wanted to focus on. Now, um, by the way, uh, at Latasha Borison on Twitter, if you want to follow her. Um, and Ray, I, I, something, something that I have had to remember uh, this week in my interactions with uh, the world around me is that uh, races are not a monolith. So, you know, you do not expect um, everybody belonging to one group of people to all agree on how the same issue should be handled. That's when you say that out loud, it makes sense. And you're like, duh, Stephen, why are you saying that? <laughs> of course, we all know that. But think about it. Do you ever catch yourself thinking that to be true because you haven't voiced it out loud to realize how dumb it sounds? Um, uh, on top of that, um, it's so important. And going back to saying the system, systemic injustice is real, you will find people of an oppressed minority who have not actually experienced it. I didn't think that was true that happened to me this week. 
met a brother in Christ who's just that's just not his lived experience. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I'm I'm happy for you in a way, you know. <laughs> um, but that does not nullify the existence of the injustice. Mm-hmm. Um, I am thankful that that is one person who has not had to live their life that way. And I wish everybody's experience was that way, but it's not, it's not real. And so just because please for the love, everybody, if you are skeptical about the realities of these injustices that are happening, please do not ignore 30 voices to find the 31st one who is saying what is confirming what your, your already existing beliefs are. That is a garbage take. Mm-hmm. As some people would say, um, that is unwise. You would not do that under any other circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you might, and you'd be stupid in those too. But like, <laughs> it, it's not. That is not the way to go. Um, you know that there is something to be said about the collective voice in an experience um, that should at least validate its existence. You know. Um, so please consider that when you're thinking mm-hmm. over these things. Um, yeah. Uh, now, uh, I'm, I'm done with anything else you want to say on Beale street, Tim. I think we covered covered a lot. It's all good. Well, please watch it. Oh, one, one yeah. thing it is on Hulu. So if you do have a streaming subscription, yes. to Hulu, you can watch it there very easily. Um, so yeah, so check it out. And uh, Tim uh, is going to share with us uh, some some uh, extra. I almost said some extra credit, like we're teaching a <laughs> class or something. But um, Tim discovered some extra resources before we began tonight's episode um, mm-hmm. that he that we wanted to let you guys know about. Um, so I'm going to turn that over to Tim. Let him talk about that. So yeah, so you know, as as um as uh, since since the 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 murder of George Floyd, there has been a lot of. Um, obviously, you know, protests, but a lot of speaking out in a variety of other ways, um, whether it be um, individuals or organizations, companies. Um, and, uh, I guess maybe Warner brothers is, um, releasing just mercy, a film, um, starring Michael B. Jordan, um, Brie Larson. Uh, I know this, um, is it Jamie Foxx? I think, I think so. Jamie Foxx. Yeah. yeah. I his, read his book by the same title and it is, it is very, very good. That film is going to be free um, for the month of to, June. That's what yes, I heard. Free to watch, which I think is a one way to kind of start seeing how if 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 you're hearing these voices and um, really wanting to learn more, really kind of not knowing where to start. That I, I'd say that film was probably a good one to yeah. to to check out. Um, that's available on Amazon Prime. Is it available on any other services too, or is it just Prime? I don't know. That is a good question. Is that made us on like kind of st- everywhere streaming for free? But let me, let me yeah. actually check. Check. Let's see. What are you checking? Because I'll check another one. Oh, just Google. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I kind of Googled it. And so it's available on YouTube, Google Play, Amazon Prime. Um, so all these areas, it's uh, completely free. So awesome. I highly recommend it. And uh, Brian Stevenson, he is the the author of Just Mercy. Um, uh, that book, but also really, I mean, if you just, any interview with him is, is really compelling. He is a really, um, just, just anytime I get a chance, he just had an interview recently in the New Yorker. That's really powerful as well. So, um, anything of his, but the film, 
film for sure. Is a, Al- um, Allison saw it in the theater with a with a friend of hers for her friend's birthday, and uh, couldn't recommend it enough to me. Mm-hmm. And so this is a great opportunity. We're actually going to sit down with our children and try to watch it tomorrow night. Um, oh, wow on prime. And, um, also, uh, Tim, before you say the thing about the criterion collection, sure. I was just going to go back to James yeah. Baldwin real quick. Oh, uh, yeah. we had, I briefly mentioned this at the very beginning. Obviously if Beale street could talk is based off a book by James Baldwin, I'm sure with as powerful as the film was, I'm sure the book is amazing. So you may want to check that out. Mm-hmm. And also, um, there is sort of a posthumous, uh, documentary from James Baldwin uh, called mm-hmm. I Am Not Your Negro which was an Academy Award nominated feature for do- Best Documentary I believe mm-hmm. I might be speaking out of turn there but I'm pretty sure I'm right um, so. that is that's also available right now on Amazon Prime um, it's only I want to say maybe I think it's only like maybe an hour and a half it's not very long in mm-hmm. terms of documentary um, it's very effective um, it's got some archival footage from James Baldwin and some of his speeches and also chronicles his sort of um, following uh, and relationships with Malcolm X, uh, Martin Luther King and Medgar Evers. Mm-hmm. Um, so really um, the trifecta of civil rights right there. Yeah. Um, so it's um, really, really good stuff. Mm hmm. Yeah, and one one last um, avenue, um, the Criterion Channel, which I know is a um, another streaming service we've mentioned here and there on Night Cheese, a really fantastic service. I recommend um, subscribing to it anyways, but they are releasing a lot of their films that kind of focus on Black Lives or um, works of uh, you know early pioneers of African American cinema. Um, just a, a lot of fantastic works are available for free now that you can find on their uh, website. It's just criterionchannel.com. And they, I haven't checked yet, but I'm sure they will have a list and that doesn't require any sort of payment. It's just, you can just watch available, you know, it's readily available, uh, which I think is, is just a, a really wonderful uh, thing they're doing. You know, we're talking about how we don't just, this is just, just to be, you know, not, not to keep, you know, hammering, not to keep, uh, reiterating, but just another example of, you know, systemic racism is these kind of lack of representation in, in film, um, in literature. Um, a lot of things that are non-white are, are kind of hard to find and kind of hard to, to have made. And so, uh, what Criterion is doing to, to highlight this and to, to make these available, um, I think is, uh, I think is, is really amazing. Yeah. So listen, there are, um, I'm, I'm, um, I'm uh, iffy right now because there's more films I also want to recommend, Mm -hmm. but also Tim and I have talked about the possibility of continuing this series, uh, for maybe an episode more or two, um, to talk about other films. Um, so here's the thing I would like to, uh, this is going to be a spur of the moment kind of thing, Tim. So tell me mm-hmm. if you agree. I would like to offer to you guys the opportunity for you to suggest mm-hmm. maybe a film for us to watch. I will tell you, I'll just be transparent with you guys with a couple of the films that we are considering discussing. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is, I feel really weird calling it a favorite of mine, but I've just been very, very passionate about it since I've seen it. Um, it's called the hate you give. It's mm. also based, based on a great book. Um, 
And then also going back to our first episode back, one of the films that Tim mentioned was uh, Ryan Coogler's Fruitvale Station uh, with uh, Michael B. Jordan um, also. Um, so uh, those are two that we have talked about trying to uh, dissect a little bit more. Um, and for and for good reason. Um, the Hate You Give, I will say, out of a lot of the movies is one of the best uh I guess maybe one of the clearest representations of exactly what's going on right now. Hmm. Um, you know, Beale street is beautiful and wonderful and necessary and excellent as it was. Um, and, and still picturing a problem, a systemic problem was set 30 years ago, 40, 50, 50. Oh my gosh. 50 years ago, Tim, I said 30 uh, years ago. Yeah. First. I said 30 <laughs> years ago. I thought we were in the year 2000 for a second. This is a problem. Oh, gosh. You're listening to the Eagle 89. Oh, so um, anyway, <laughs> uh, 50, it was set 50 years ago. Oh, wow. Um, the uh, the Hate You Give is a modern-day tale. Um, I even feel gross calling it a tale because it just feels so real. Anyway, um, and then Fruitvale Station, based on a true story um, about, you know, uh, modern-day police mm-hmm. brutality killing. Yeah. So um, anyway, those we found those are a little more poignant. Um and uh, are worth uh, considering. Um, obviously, just mercy could be on the table since it's free. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 also, and listen, I mean, I, I laugh, but also based on a true story, also really important. Mm-hmm. Um, but a couple of the things we wanted to talk about was sort of the modern day experience of police brutality, and also, um, you know, the stigma of the you know the justice system mm-hmm. and and protesting and and the escalation that comes from there, um, which, you know, so, so that's why we're considering the two that we're considering. Mm-hmm. Um, you will be hearing this probably if you, if you're an early listener, you'll probably hear this before we make a decision on recording what we're going to do next. Um, but if you have any, um, uh, suggestions or thoughts or would like to hear us discuss a film, based on uh, topics that are relevant to what's going on in the world right now. Um, give us a tweet, give us a Facebook comment. If you know us personally, just contact us that way, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We'd be glad to take you up on that. Even if we end up doing the films we want to do anyways, and we just do yours later. But um, cause something tells me this problem won't be going away for a while. Yeah. So that'll probably still be relevant, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, uh, Tim, any, any closing remarks before we put a lid on this one? Oh man. So many. Clo- no, I, there's so much <laughs> swirling in my mind. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, just, yeah, no good way to end it. But, uh, but it, but wow. it's an, I mean, it's, it's, I, I like, I'm glad that I think I like the idea of it being, kind of an ongoing mate even if i mean i i feel like the next few episodes i feel like should should be for sure but even if it's um you know here and there after that i think it's i think it's a worthwhile um project to to dive into and to to talk more about all right well um i want to thank everybody for uh, being gracious with us as we tackle a topic that is not comfortable for anyone but particularly not comfortable for the two of us either um i wouldn't say particularly it's just not comfortable for the two of us because it's not our lived experience and we're so sensitive to not wanting to offend the people we love we just Mm -hmm. you know but anyway um hopefully uh i really hope that 
maybe some of you have listened have maybe picked up something new um at a minimum found a new movie you might want to watch um and uh maybe have some things to think about so um thank you again for joining us for conversations in color if beale street could talk and uh, until next time keep working on your night cheese